Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Welcome everyone to episode 102 of the NBA podcast and happy new year. Today, since 2017 was an abomination, we are going to talk about the abomination of the NBA, the tank race and who is in the lead so far and who we think is going to be at season's end. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find all of our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Morton? Happy New Year. Oh, fuck New Year's, bro. <laughs> the holiday spirit continues yeah. for my co-host in Denmark. <laughs> Look, I mean... New Year's is just, hey, let's go out and, you know... Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Party down and put up a lot of rockets. It's just like, shut up. It doesn't matter. It's been the most overrated party for about 20 years. It's just it's just a day, man. But by the way, did you just say the word abomination? I did. That is just... Oh, that's great. Because literally 25 minutes ago, I was just wrapping up The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> where he's going up against the abomination. So that's great. Because I'm going through the whole Marvel thing right now because uh, I'm prepping for uh, Infinity War yep. in, in late April. Yep. But I need to wrap it up in uh, before February 9th because that's when Black, Black Panther, Panther comes out. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm just getting my, my Marvel on and I'm not looking forward to like the latest batch, but that's okay. The, the early ones are great. They are really, really dope. The, the I mean, I, I on your New Year's note, first of all, I want to say no one can beat my New Year's Eve when I spent the entire goddamn day in the Dallas airport because they had a little bit of ice and snow on the ground there, so they delayed our flight for six hours, which was just lovely. 
just an awesome what is this thing this yeah. is Dallas we don't know what it is oh my god if anyone out there is listening and was in the Dallas airport on New Year's Eve I hope you like my wife and I just spent all day at the bar because that's the only way you can really deal with a six hour delay uh, but also Dallas can go to hell that city sucks I knew I hated it the minute the Cowboys existed I was right all along screw Dallas don't ever fly from there but <laughs> on your Marvel note, I did watch the the latest Spider-Man movie again on the flight oh. from Denver to Dallas. Denver, great city. Dallas, terrible city. Uh, and yeah, that movie's great. You should be excited. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could hate like whatever Iron Man three. I know people hate. Get, get through that. Get to the Spider-Man. Spider-Man's good. Yeah, Spider-Man's good. Uh, that that's the best Marvel one uh, for 2017, for sure. Yeah, I could. What else? I, I whatever. I buy it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was Thor and oh, uh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I agree then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. More. Let's talk. You know, we've talked a lot uh, this season about some of the good teams and some of the pleasant surprises. Since 2017 sucked, we need. I feel like it's only fitting that our first episode of 2018, we're just flushing out the bad, and we need to talk about all of the teams toward the bottom of the standings in both conferences. We're mm. going to start with the West. Right now, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Mavericks, and the Suns are all within 2.5 games of one another. The Lakers have the worst record in the West at 11-25. and 25. The Suns are not far ahead of them at 14-24. and 24. So, you know, for both of these conferences, there are a couple teams that are a few games ahead of them. The Clippers and the Jazz are also out of the playoffs, but they're within reach. The Suns are five games behind the Pelicans, so I feel like it's, you know, barring a total surprise, it's relatively safe to project these five teams will right. end up in the lottery in some order. Who do you think finishes with the worst record among those five? Oh, that's a good one. The Lakers, I'm sort of inclined to the Lakers, though... It depends because it, it depends on the return that they're going to get for Julius Randle mm-hmm. because they have to trade him unless they just dump his ass completely. In July? You no, know, not not in July. Like at the trade. Oh, oh, oh. Just like get rid of him for whatever they can get. Yeah, because they know that they're going to, th- you know, they're going to lose him mm-hmm. anyway because they're going to renounce him if Paul George shows any kind of interest. Yeah. And LeBron also as well. So. But yeah, it's a game because they have to gauge whether that interest from PG and Braun is legitimate. Mm-hmm. Because if it isn't, it would be a stupid idea to just let assets go like they did with D'Angelo Russell. Right. So, I, I don't know. I just think this team is in flux. I don't really know what they're planning to do. And you mentioned in our outline that Andrew Bogut is sort of like saying out loud what we're all thinking Mm -hmm. that we all know about the cap situation next year we know what they're trying to do they want some superstars in here and we all feel like placeholders more or less right like yeah that's not a good sign yeah i i mean that i was gonna you know we we can save the who finishes last conversation until we touch on a few more of these teams but with the Lakers, I was going to ask you, basically, like, what, do, where do they go from here, given Bogut's comments? Mm. You know, both Lonzo has missed the past five games with a shoulder injury. Kyle Kuzma's banged up with the quad injury. 
you know, they don't have their pick. Their first round pick this year is going to either Boston or Philly, so they have no incentive to tank. But as you said, you know, since this past summer, Magic Johnson and Rob Polenka have made no secret that, you know, they're trying to carve out two max contract spaces, which they mm-hmm. don't have at the moment. They would have to trade Jordan Clarkson, let Randall go, somehow figure out, you know, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said they've given up on trading Luol Deng because yeah. they have asked around and teams want Kuzma or Brandon Ingram or like multiple first round picks to take that contract back. Which, which like, I get. Yeah, right. I mean, why help, you know, especially knowing what the Lakers are trying to do, why help them out <laughs> unless yeah. you are getting a, you know, a murderous return. So shout out to the rest of the NBA for holding them over a barrel for signing that horrendous contract in the first place. Oh yeah. But regardless, the point stands that yeah, like they've they've said, you know, throughout this past year we're trying to carve out two max contract spots. So Randall knows, you know, the math says if you're going to do that and if Paul George and LeBron or Paul George and Boogie are going to come to LA, I'm gone. Like I'm a placeholder. He's been having his minutes jerked around all season by Luke Walton and I know a lot of Lakers fans are pissed about that because he's been playing well when he does get minutes. So, yeah, like what I mean, if you're the Lakers, Mort, do you are you feeling pressure to trade him by the deadline? Do you think you have to pull the trigger on a trade, or do you feel comfortable, you know, going into July, knowing that this is your plan is plan A is definitely get LeBron and Paul George. But if that backfires, at least you have plan B of, okay, re-sign Randall, re-sign Brooke Lopez, re-sign KCP, and at least you know save some cap space mm. for 2019. Yeah, well, I, I'd feel comfortable having the option that you know his Julius Randall's future is in my hands. Mm. You know, if I'm the Lakers, I have control. Right. Uh, because he can he's a restricted free agent, so you have the right to match, and you can do whatever. Yep. So that's fine. The thing with me is, I if I'm the Lakers, I I do feel pressure into gauging the trade market for him just mm-hmm. to see what's out there because it seems like th- this is from an outside perspective. I haven't heard anything, but it seems like they are not really doing a whole lot of homework right now because they're sitting on the same roster as they did early in the season. The trade deadline has been moved up a week, right. so it's now February eighth. Yep, um, which is just over a month away. Yep. We have heard absolutely nothing, which could be a sign of them working the phones or just in, engaging the market. But usually we have someone like Voge or Mark Stein picking something up, and we've heard absolutely diddly squat. Mm-hmm. So what I fear is that they're just sitting a little bit back and going, well, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see what happens, and then in the summertime we'll make the the calls there because they've done that in years past. Now, to be fair, Rob Palenka is in charge now. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't the case a couple of years back for when they were going for Carmelo Anthony, for example. So they might have a plan laid out, or they might be in the process of building one. But I'm sort of weirded out by the fact that we haven't heard any buzz surrounding them. Yeah, I mean, we to be fair, we haven't heard buzz about really. It's been relatively quiet on the trade deadline market so far. We've heard, you know, DeAndre Jordan and Marcus Saul, who we'll touch on in a minute, but Aniko. Yeah. But like aside from the really obvious names, I think, you know, they probably I I would hope 
for the sake of Lakers fans that they are doing some behind the scenes work and we're mm-hmm. just not hearing about it. Maybe, you know, if if they are and the and we aren't hearing about it, that's a testament to their front office. Like the fewer leaks you have coming out, especially about sensitive subjects like trades, the better. So that's interesting. Do you think like NBA teams are going like anti Boach? Like trying actively to, to I don't know, make it like yeah. a competition. My name is gonna be mentioned the least. Like <laughs> I mean, I feel like most of the time I you know, I don't know how this stuff works. I, I feel like most of the time when you have a reporter saying sources said it's the agent, not a team. Maybe you know, I'm sure there are cases where that's not true and where a front mm. office or owner, uh, you know, some personnel involved with the team are, is saying something. But, like, I'm only really referring to, like, the Jaleel Okafor saga here. Like, all of that shit was driven by his agent. And you could tell. Like, I mean, it, it was just so so blatantly obvious. So, right. you know, maybe maybe Palenka and Magic are, you know, I'm sure they're in contact with Clarkson's agent, with Randall's agent, and maybe they're saying, like, look, we're willing to work with your client to get something that's favorable for all of us. But if you leak this, you're going to ruin all of our leverage. So just stay quiet. Like maybe it's just a, some behind the scenes back channeling with, you know, agents and team yeah, some agreement. Yeah. And like right. maybe teams are wising up because they've seen, you know, when these trade demands become public, all of a sudden all of your leverage is gone. And then you, it's like, then the team just doesn't want to pull the trigger. Well, they lost their leverage when they went out on the Paul George, LeBron James pipe dream. Yeah, yeah. They, so right, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I would feel confident return if I returned with somewhat the same roster. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Brandon Ingram is is a bad player. I would like to see him moving forward. Same with Kuzma. Hell, even Contavious Caldwell Pope. I would, you know, sort of be interested in bringing back, assuming. You know, he doesn't violate his probation. Right. Or parole, um, or whatever you call it. Jordan Clarkson is the one guy I would sort of be a little bit indifferent to. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a finished product, but he's, what, 25 at this point? Yeah. So the ceiling isn't significant. But to be fair, he's having a really good scoring season. He's yeah. just not getting the minutes. Right. And, of course, Julius Randle. I, like, let me ask you something. Do you think Julius Randle is their best player? No, because no, because when I look at that team, when I look at them play, I'm I'm not ready to say yes, but I'm definitely not ready to say no. I think he's one of their better players, and I think he deserves more minutes than he's getting. I you know I I think he's being politicked his way out basically, and like mm-hmm. Luke Walton gave some BS explanation recently about why he his minutes are jerked around, and he's like, I want Julius to realize that you know this is the effort the requisite effort you need to play with to get these type of minutes. So when he doesn't get these minutes and then he comes hard, comes back and plays hard the next game and does get those minutes, it's part of his development. It's like... Oh, that's Dwayne Casey and Jonas yeah. Jules all over again. Right, yeah. right, right. So that, that stuff is, you know, I, I think that's really just being driven from the front office, most likely. Mm. But... I, yeah, I mean, I think he's worth keeping around. Like, I, I, I'm with you in saying... If your plan B is just roll it back with this roster, like I don't think, you know, with another year of seasoning for all of these guys, 
I don't think this is the worst team in the Western Conference. Like heading into Agreed. the year, I was nervous about them because the Sixers have their pick. I was nervous that you know they might actually be good enough to be tenth instead of third in the lottery. Right. You know, it's looking like that might not happen, but I think they do have the talent on this roster to get there, especially with a couple tweaks here and there. I don't think if their Paul George and LeBron Pike dream goes up in flames as we expect it will. <laughs> I don't think it's the end of the world for the Lakers. I think they still have a really promising young core. It's not a bad thing if they just build around Ball, Kuzma, Randall, Ingram. Like that's you know most most wouldn't the Magic like kill to have that type of young core? Yeah. So oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I just wanted to clarify something regarding like Kinsavius Caldwell Pope. Because I wouldn't want him back at his current salary. Oh like, yeah, I like yeah, I like him as a underrated two-way player. Mm-hmm. And by the way, remember when we had Mark Deeks on and we talked about the perfect guy for Oklahoma City? Yeah, KCP. Hey KCP. Yep. Yeah, because that his lack of efficiency wouldn't be a problem there. Right. Because it would it wouldn't be a lack of efficiency. He would be wide out fucking open all the time. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of the guy that you're you expected him to be now like a couple years ago we were like yeah he's good but he's never gonna be this highly efficient uh guy who's playing like in a primary role like second or third option Mm -hmm. and we see that again with the lakers like it's eerily similar stats to when he was in detroit and efficiency and all that so him at a discount, return with uh, Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, I guess Lonzo Paul as well. He can come too, Brian. That's fine. <laughs> That's okay. Then, yeah, sure, I wouldn't mind rolling that back and see what you get. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the Lakers in the next month or so. And another team right in that same mix with Western Conference, you know, <laughs> would-be hopefuls turned disastrous seasons. The Grizzlies, who have been mm. without Mike Conley for more than a month as he works his way back from another lower body injury, we still don't know. He, he It sounds like he's grat, ramping up his uh, return to practices, and he was. it sounds like he, he might be back relatively soon, but at this point, they're 12 and 25. They might be too far gone to really get back into the playoff race. So, what a waste of... Tyree Evans. Yeah, so that's my question. If the Grizzlies, you know, let's say they go another two weeks and they are, you know, they're they're only six and a half back right now. So, like, mathematically they are not dead by any means. Mm. But let's say Conley is out for another two to three weeks. They fall, you know, eight, nine, ten games out from the tenth or from the eighth seed. It's February 1st. What do they do with Tyreek Evans? They almost have to trade him, don't they? Oh, I hate saying yes to this because here's the thing. They've been looking for a guy like that for so long. Now they have him. They have Marcus Saul and Mike Conley locked up on deals. They need him. Mm-hmm. They need this type of guy. But yeah, because of their situation, it's just painfully logical for them to trade him at this point. So they can get worse, get a better draft uh, position, and some sort of asset in return. It just makes sense. But that must be such a bitter pill 
to swallow if you're a Memphis. Because yeah. that's the third guy. Yeah. Right. That's the guy you were hoping Chandler Parsons became. Exactly. And look, here's the thing. He's playing at an all-star level. Yeah. Like, let's not kid around here. Tyree Evans is putting up a PER of 23.1 and a true shooting percentage of 58.4. He's hitting over uh, 42% from downtown on high volume for his, you know, from his standards. Mm-hmm. Five rebounds, four and a half assists, almost 20 points a game in just 30 and a half minutes. Come on, just 1.9 turnovers as well, even though he's handling the ball a shit ton of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like <sighs> he's rookie of the year Tyreek, you know, eight years Yeah, just later. better. Yeah. Yeah, just right. a yeah. lot better. Except now he's hitting threes <laughs> at a 43% clip instead of 26, yeah. basically. So, I mean, again, it's, it has to come down to, like, gauging the situation. Because maybe Tyreek feels, oh, you know what? I kind of returned to mm-hmm. where I was supposed to be here in Memphis. That's That's due to the system. That's due to the the trust they have in me as a player. Mm-hmm. I like it here. And if that's the vibe that they're getting, and he's like, you know what? I want to be here. I want to return next year. Yeah, sure, ha- they'll have to clean up the cap and figure out a way to keep him. But then I would hesitate moving him because yeah. they've been looking... For how long have been th- have they been looking for this third guy? Five years? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, they well, they had Zebo for a while. But like yeah, but a, was, a wing, yeah. like another complimentary wing for sure. I that mean, was Rudy Gay the last time. Yeah, that sounds right. I can't think. Yep. Of, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> Tony Allen was great defensively, but you know he right teams learned to ignore him very quickly on offense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they and really... Chandler Parsons isn't going to be returning to what he used to be. Right. Yeah. I mean that that is a sunk cost at this point. He's mm-hmm. he's playing better than he did last year, but that does not say very much because he was barely on the floor last year and he was right. horrendous when he was. Yeah, I mean, it's a really tricky situation with Tyreek, I agree, because, like, yes, ideally, you build around him. Like, he's part of your core for the future. He's only 27, or he's in his age... Tw- or no, now he's 28, I guess. But, yeah, he, you know, he's... Oh God, he's... He's still, like, young enough that, I mean, he's the youngest member of their big three right now. So, like, you could feasibly extend the window for another year or two with Conley and Gasol if you keep Tyreek around. But, as you said, he's an unrestricted free agent in July. He's due for it. He's not re-signing for $3.3 million like he did this past right. season. I mean, he's going to get, yeah. at you know, feasibly... The mid-level, I would say, is the absolute floor for him. So then it becomes, yeah. that, as you said, then the question becomes, does he feel some type of loyalty to Memphis? And does he think, you know, you guys helped me revive my career here. I'm willing to take a slight discount to stay with you. Or is he just in pure mercenary mode? Like, does he realize this is my last best chance to get a fat check and I'll, I'll just take, you know, Chicago Bulls, you offer me four years, right. eighty million, whatever. Yeah. I played for shitty teams my whole life, like I. And that's a fair prerogative, by the way. Yeah, like that's that, that's completely fair. I can't knock him for for taking that approach if that's what happens. No, me neither. I mean, what he he was coming off of? Yeah, I mean, his previous contract was signed before the cap bump, so like he missed that was 64. out. Sixty four. Is that sixty four million? I believe it was with New Orleans. 
Yeah, I'm trying to look back right now. I think it was even less than that. Looks well, like it might have be. been, yeah, like 40. Oh, was it that low? Yeah, I think it was in the, let's see. It was, it was somewhere in the 40s, it looks like. Oh, yeah, okay. So he uh, missed yeah, out. Four year, 44 million. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's going for the cash. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, it, it sucks for Memphis, but, you know, he's signed to a cheap enough deal and he's playing productively enough that I feel like he would be a valuable addition to any playoff contender. So I think a team would, you know, if mm. Lou Williams fetched a first-round pick last year, Tyreek Evans should be able to fetch a first-round pick this year. Um, So I've I've been mentioning a whole bunch of names even just five minutes ago thunder yep wizards oh that's a good one <laughs> or the raptors like no 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 let's stick with the wizards the, yeah i mean i don't know what they have to give up i think that's going to be a lot of the problem with a lot of these teams unless, probably a first round pick yeah and i mean if, if memphis is willing to do that you know all of those teams are going to have relatively low first round picks Maybe not OKC or Memphis. I mean, or Washington. Yeah. Like maybe it ends up in the high twenties. And if if Memphis says, you know what, screw it, we're rebuilding anyway. Let's just accrue all the picks we can. Tyreek's gone. It doesn't matter. This is a lost season. Mm. You know, a, a pick in the twenties is better than nothing. But yeah, like yeah. he, I don't, I can't. And he's think not of, a long term guy either. Right. I mean, yeah, you're giving up. You know what? You're giving up a pick in the 20s for a valuable addition who's expiring in july and if you don't want to keep him bye-bye mm. he's essentially of- going to like the memphis situation in the east just a better team because they have Jan mahimi on the roster who's clocking up their chances of re-signing him yep so maybe we're looking we should look at teams that have the opportunity to re-sign him <laughs> that's it's gonna be a very small set of teams, mm. especially teams that that are gonna be in playoff contention. Right. I mean, like oh, I think yeah. Philly would, but I don't think Philly is gonna give up anything of value for him. No, no. So and Miami capped out by the ridiculous summer yeah. that they had. Yep. Indiana is not really in need of a guy like Tariq because yep. they're. I mean, they're good, but they're not... I don't know. Are they at that point where they might be a buyer's team? Indiana? Yeah. I think it depends on what happens with Victor Oladipo, who has been yeah. out for a couple games now with a knee injury. We don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, they've lost four straight. They're only a half game ahead of the Knicks for the number eight seed right now. If, if, Depot, come, mm. if Depot is out long term... We should yeah, be mentioning them in the tank conversation too, because they are about to nose dive. But Detroit, I, yeah, Detroit would be a good one. But I don't, I'm thinking they do not have the cap space. Yeah, they don't have the cap space. They might them. have if they're if they don't end up re-signing Avery Bradley after that whole accusation thing. Yeah, that's they still have. They have Drummond re-signed to a huge deal. Jackson yeah. is still signed. Tobias Harris is still signed. John Luer, Boban, Langston Galloway. It looks like, according to Spotrack, they already have $104 million allocated next year without Avery Bradley. So they are out. 
Internally. I wonder if Detroit will be one of those teams that will be willing to give up a first rounder to get like a, a debt contract off the books because they're they're a good team, mm-hmm. but they're not that good that it's going to be like a pick in the late twenties, right? I I would assume so. I mean, <laughs> that yeah, maybe. I I really don't know. I mean, it, an uh. interesting angle to this whole Tyreek thing is that really there aren't that many teams that are going to have cap space, and especially good teams. Like, I'm yeah. looking at Spotrack right now, and I apologies in advance if this is not totally accurate. This is just practical cap space for 2018-19. Only 11 teams have at least $10 million in cap space, and that includes the Rockets when you take Chris Paul's cap hold out so that it's a non-factor because they're going to yeah. resign Chris Paul. <laughs> so it's hey, like, I'll take Tyreek Evans over Chris right, Paul. Right. Right. So it's like the Lakers, the Bulls, the Mavericks, the Hawks, the Sixers, the Magic, the Suns, the Nets, the Kings. Oh, the Magic. He's so going to Orlando, isn't he? <laughs> the Jazz. Oh, Rodney Hood. Yeah, so that's not once they deal no. with him. So, I mean, yeah. it's the Sixers basically – as the only team competing for a playoff spot right now that will have the practically have the cap space to re-sign Tyreek this summer for above ten million a year. So Man, he might actually be out of the market, Tyreek. Or he's just gonna go to a crap team. Like Yeah, but like maybe if if so few teams have cap space, yeah. like they might not think that a Tyreek Evans with just a one good year under his belt yeah. is worth all that money. True. Well, I could see, like, <laughs> I mean, the Kings have already gone up that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I could, I'm not going to say the Kings. But Dallas could be an interesting spot for him. Well, they do need a replacement for West Matthews, though. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, well, the, the point of this whole thought exercise is that it feels like Memphis, depending, unless Conley comes back in the next, like, week <laughs> And they start surging up the standings. It feels like they're going to be clear sellers at the deadline. We've talked about Marcus all in the past, and I'm sure in the coming weeks we will bring it up again because his name is sure to start floating on the rumor mill. Yeah, you know, I I just think it extends beyond Marcus all. I think basically there there should be everyone should be up for sale at the right price if you're Memphis. I think they are. Yeah, I would agree. And, yeah. I mean, Sacramento, going back to the original question of who finishes last in the West, Sacramento is going to be a sneaky contender because at a certain point they're going to just start playing the young guys a lot. Like they, Once they are effectively removed from playoff contention, they're, I feel like they're going to pivot more into Scal and Willie Cauley-Stein and Darren Fox, all of whom are playing but playing inconsistently. Dallas, you know, Rick Carlisle's a magician, so I I would not expect Dallas to finish last, but in terms of pure talent, Dallas might be the worst team in the Western Conference. I don't think that's a particularly no. controversial take. They wouldn't be if Seth Curry had been healthy, but... Yeah, right. Yeah, them, the, those are the breaks. That's true. And Seth Curry is still out indefinitely. He's not played at all this season with the stress reaction they called it but you have to assume it's a fracture at this point 
So hopefully he comes. That's just back. such a tough luck. Yeah, it sucks. I, I mean, hopefully he comes back soon because he's in a contract year and it's good. Yeah. But then, you know, if he's hurt all year, maybe it opens the door for another team to steal him away at a discount like the Mavs did two years ago. And the Suns, the Suns have been frisky. I, I want to give a shout-out before we move <laughs> on to the East to the yeah. Phoenix Suns because we all thought they were going to be horrendous. We all penciled them in with the Bulls and the Hawks as one of the three or four worst teams in the NBA. They, You know, they're right in the conversation. They're, they are not super far ahead of the Lakers, but... 14 and 24 is better than I expected from the Phoenix Suns through the first half of the season. So, I, you know, it's really just a testament to Devin Booker and TJ Warren, and the rest of the team has been hit or miss. Mm. I guess Marquise Chris is starting to come on as of late. Tyson Chandler has just been like the dependable vet that he always is, but, you know, the rest of them, it really has been pretty hot or cold all season, but. It, yeah. You know, there there is a there, the long standing is Devin Booker like going to be a superstar debate on Twitter and you know, he's looking what he's 21, 22, he's carrying this Suns team. Like he's he's yeah. looking good. I'm I'm buying all the Devin Booker stock I can right now. Yeah, so I I I don't know. I was when people were really just Yapping on Booker a year ago. Oh, he's bad. He's not a good player. It's all volume stats. Mm-hmm. And people were comparing him to Andrew Wiggins. I was just like, no, because his role is different. Yeah. Like, he's being asked to do a very specific thing, and he's doing it just wonderfully. I mean, last year, as at the age of 20, 22 points a game. This yep. year, at 21, 25 points a game. Doing so on insane efficiency. I mean... I just I don't get it. I don't get the Devin Booker hate. I know that he's not a strong defender yet. Right. But his rebounds are up, his assists are up. I mean, yeah. you see the improvements year to year unlike Wiggins. So I'm more inclined to agree with you that I'm buying stock in Devin Booker. Also, Andrew Bailey had a tweet on I believe New Year's Eve. I don't remember the percentage, but he was like ranking players who had produced uh you know, percentage-wise, produced most of the offense for their teams. Mm-hmm. And Booker was extremely high on the list. I want to say, like, fifth or sixth or whatever. And yeah. he's that was actually with him missing ten games. Damn. Like, he would have been higher had he not missed the ten games. And mm-hmm. like he would have been up in the LeBron-Harden area. Right, yeah, right. I was about to say, I'm sure, like, he's in the company with Harden, LeBron, probably KD... Westbrook, yes, presumably. Exactly. Like, Some of those guys, right? Yeah. Which is like if I mean that's the type of company you would like to be in if mm-hmm. you're in. Yeah, I, I I don't get it either. I mean he, yeah, he's setting career highs across the board basically. I whatever. I shout out to the Suns. They 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 found a good one there. So mm. if I have to pick one team that's gonna finish last, I'm taking Memphis only because I expect a fire tail at the deadline. But who knows? Maybe Conley comes back sooner than expected, and yeah. So in that case, I would probably take the Kings. And 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 to be fair, we are having this discussion one month too soon. Yeah, that's true. Because we don't know jack shit prior to the deadline. Yep. After yeah. the deadline, we'll have a wonderful idea of where things stand. Yeah, and we'll revisit this 
after the deadline and as we get closer yeah. to the end of the season. We just we figured we hadn't given much love to these a lot of these teams this year, so might as well talk yeah. on today. Did we give them love, Brian? <laughs> I said good job on finding Devin Booker. That's that's something. true. That's true. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something. Let's move on to the Eastern Conference. So we're in a similar boat where a lot of these teams are very close to each other in the standings. Mm. The Atlanta Hawks right now currently have the worst record in basketball at 10 and 26. Orlando Magic, Chicago Bulls, Charlotte Hornets, and Brooklyn Nets are all within 3.5 games of the Hawks. And then again, you got a couple other teams, the Knicks, the Sixers, that are a few games ahead of them, but they're still... Both teams are within 1.5 games of the eight seed, so we're not going to consider them as potential tankers today. That could change in the next couple weeks. So, Mort, let's let before we go to the who finishes last question. We touched on your former Bulls before uh, with Deeks a couple weeks ago, right? They continue to be like a real basketball team. They're 10 and four since Nico returned. <laughs> Zach Levine, it seems like he's going to make his debut in the next week or two at, you know, at the very right. latest. Should Bulls fans be excited about what's happening or are they screwing themselves out of a top 5 pick in the one season where they looked like they were a lock for it? I actually wrote a piece about this on FanRack the other day. And it's very important to gauge the situation in Chicago. Man, I feel like I've said gauge the situation to every team but it's true like that's the situation we're in mm-hmm. because what the the bulls are are at a crossroads right now and the and here's a fun fact just before i continue the more that they lose right now is actually helping them because they're forced to take a decision very very soon because at some point if they keep on winning they will be at a place where they can't look back and say, "Oh, we we can be the we we can no longer be the worst team in the league. We we won twenty games and we're at the midway of the season. That's it's not doable. Like right. they are bound to make a decision at some point or the other, and them losing buys them time. Mm-hmm. As weird as it sounds, but they have to figure out whether what the Bulls are doing right now is sustainable." That's really the main key here. They have to look at Nico and Laurie Markin and all those guys and determine, with the addition of Zach Levine, will this team keep on winning at a high rate? Mm-hmm. Are we willing to sacrifice a shot at Luka Dantage, DeAndre Aiden, those type of guys, to keep building the platform that we're seeing develop in front of our eyes? And to be fair, Chris Dunn has been better. Yep. Bobby Portis is much improved. Nikola Mirotic, very much improved. Laurie Markkinen, strong, good player. I mean, it's not like the components aren't there. It's just you run the risk of getting a team that is somewhat like the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. They have a good second half or first half or you know, half a season of good play. And then you d- decide to go all in on it. And, you know, we're banking on these guys. And then you forego a high draft pick. And then you see that guy be drafted somewhere else and blow up as a superstar. And you go... Oh, oh no! <laughs> right, and so so they have to simply understand. They have to get on the same page and go. Are we willing to sacrifice that chance to believe in the team that we have right now? Mm-hmm. And 
I, I'm really leaving it up to each Bulls fans because some some guys are just excited to see them win, and you know, fair game to you. That's fine. That's that's cool. That's that's okay. Just realize that there is a risk that this draft, the 2018 draft, is going to resemble the one 21 years ago, where Boston lost out to Tim Duncan. Mm. And who knows, Luka Doncic could be Chicago's Tim Duncan for 20 goddamn years. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're up against. Am I willing to risk all of that and go all in on this somewhat brief winning streak? Right. So if, I mean, (laughs) because it's Garpax, we're going to assume they are and that they will... You know, I'm yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah. yeah, but let's say they realize that you know, yes, it's great. Like I, I think what you said is right. If if they were winning by playing veterans who have no place in their long term future, like only playing veterans who have no place in their long term future, and the rookies in the pit, you know, like mm. if a Chris Dunn and Laurie Markkinen weren't even getting off the bench, I'd be much more alarmed as a Bulls fan. But the fact that Dunn has been such a critical piece of this stretch, that Markinen's playing well, that Bobby Portis is playing well, you know, yeah, Nico's helped fuel a lot of this, but they have a team option on him next year. Like, they could keep mm-hmm. him around. So it's not like he's, you know, guaranteed gone in July. They have, you know, what they are right. doing, they, they are building something here. And if Levine comes back and he helps continue this this hot streak of late, like, you know, Levine, that's that's the main piece you gave up for Jimmy Butler. Like, you hope Zach Levine turns into something worth right. keeping around. But let's let's assume Garpax realizes, you know, what you said. Like, they, they want Luka Doncic or bust, basically. Yeah. What do they do to <laughs> cut this team's legs out, basically? How do they get them back to losing? They trade essential pieces. For example, Robin Lopez. Mm. Because Lopez's stats may not jump off the page, but yeah. he's doing everything. Like, his yep. screen work to get Laurie Markkinen open mm-hmm. is outstanding. His offensive rebound is sublime. He is one of the biggest reasons as well for the for them playing well at this point. He's the glue. Mm-hmm. Trade him, and I kind of think the whole house of cards falls apart. No pun intended, Kevin Spacey. But <laughs> you know, I he's he's the one guy that you should definitely look to trade. And I know a lot of Bolts fans are going, No, because he's the heart. Yeah, that's the point. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you lose. You trade the heart. The Bulls started going downhill when they traded Luol Deng to the Cleveland Cavaliers back in the day. I think it was twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. That's when they lost their identity. Yeah. Trading Luol Deng was that's what you could trace it back to. Mm-hmm. They lost respect from the players. They lost that voice, that the guy who could walk around everyone in the locker room and put an arm around them and give them guidance and all these things. And they started becoming, slowly but surely, a bad basketball team. Mm-hmm. Now, Robin Lopez is carrying that role. Lose him, maybe a power forward. I mean... I, I I like Bobby Portis's play, but 
you know, he's also giving himself some trade value right now. So yeah. if you can chip in on that one, yeah, sure. And then keep Nico and Laurie Markkinen. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the things that you do. And if you get an insane offer for Nikola Mirotic, mm-hmm. and I do mean ridiculous offer because they shouldn't trade him for peanuts. Like, he's good. He's too good to right. trade for nothing. Yeah, totally. I, I think... And he has a no trade clause, right? Or he can veto any trade. Yeah, he can veto, and he can only get traded from January fifteenth. Right. Yeah, it's not, not and onwards. Right. Not technically a no trade clause, but yeah, he can veto any trade. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to limit the types of deals they can include him in. It seems like I mean, you know, earlier this season, especially when tempers were a little hotter from the whole Bobby Portis punching him in the face thing. It sounded like he was willing to wave it anywhere. He just wanted to get the hell out of there. Maybe because of how they've fared in the past couple of weeks, things will be different. Maybe, you know, maybe this... Yeah. There there have been pictures circulating on Twitter of, like, him high-fiving Bobby Portis, which seemed like a pipe dream two months ago. So... I actually have a nugget about that one. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. So I've been reaching out to some people I know... Mm-hmm. Um, who have some contacts for for Miritich camp mm-hmm. to actually gauge where where's his head at right now, and unlike a couple of months ago, nobody's talking, interesting. which is interesting. Exactly, I'm not sure what to to what category to put that in. Yeah. But a couple of months ago, it was like he wants out. Like right. he's he's not interested in sticking around. Something changed, and now they are shutting the hell up, which is uh, <laughs> really weird. Yeah. So that would yeah. seemingly imply that he is happier, at least now, at than least, he was a yeah. few months ago. I and, and if you want to be speculative about it, you could say maybe, you know, he's made some sort of agreement with management that I'm not going to comment on anything. Sure. I'm just going to let you guys find a deal for me, whatever. Yep. Yep. Like, not sure, but it's just nothing. Hmm. Silence. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it. it's like the Lakers. I think the Bulls will be a really fascinating team to look at. Heading into the trade deadline, they have a lot of cap space, so they could mm-hmm. take on some bad deals and get some picks or young prospects attached. The Nico situation looms large. If you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see whether they decide to blow up this team and just really go all in on tanking. It's they're going to have a lot of tough decisions in the next couple weeks because shit. Three weeks ago, they were three and twenty, and they were looking like they were cruising to the number one yep. pick, and now. You know they're right back in the mix. I mean, God, they're they're five teams ahead of them, right? No, six. Yeah, six teams ahead of them. So it, suddenly they've gone the from only one thing to that seven. Be, yeah, the only thing that would be stupid from the Bulls would be if they went into the deadline going, "Oh, we're gonna buy." Yeah, like, they shouldn't be a buyer, <laughs> but if they decided to go that route, that would be where you just went, "Oh no!" Yeah, that's the worst thing they can do. Right. At least don't be a buyer. Just wait it out. If you're in, if you're interested to see how this team goes, just play the young guys. Yeah. I will say this. I'll add another name that they sh- probably should be looking to trade. Um, Justin Holiday. It's mm, a good one because he's he's a two way player. Yeah, he's not shooting all that well, but people you know teams respect his outside shot. Right, and he's pretty dynamic in that regard. So mm. if you trade him, and he's also one of the older players on the team. Trade him and Robin Lopez, 
and force a shit ton of minutes upon Denzel Valentine, who is still a tremendously poor defender. Yeah. Yeah, then I think things will work out. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun to watch. We need to talk about the Orlando Magic too, because they yes, let's. Uh, they started so well, and we were like, you know, all of us heading into the year had very low expectations mm-hmm. for the Magic, just because that's kind of what they've been for the last five years since the Dwight Howard trade. Then they start yeah. eight and four. Aaron Gordon looks like an all star. We're like, oh god. Uh oh, we we right. underrated the magic. Then they lose nine straight. All five and of their bowling, yeah, yeah. Like all right, like all five of their starters have now missed time, extensive time to injuries. Uh, Gordon and Evan Fournier just worked their way back, only for Nikola Vucevic to suffer a fractured or a broken bone mm. in his left index finger that's going to knock him out for the next six to eight weeks. So Bismack Biombo has entered the starting lineup is doing Bismack Biombo things, you know, double-doubling with a couple blocks, but providing far less uh, offensive touch than Vucevic had. And they are, what are they, 1 and it looks like 11 in their last 12 games. So they are currently the second worst team in the East. They're only a game ahead of the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. What yep. I mean, so now that... They're, now they are heading into restricted free agency with Aaron Gordon, Alfred Payton this summer if they stand pat. Mm. Where where do you go if you're the Magic? I don't keep Alfred Payton. I don't want a point guard who shoots air ball layups because he's blocked <laughs> by his own hair. <laughs> no, okay, that's that's a cheap shot. But Alfred Payton, he's got good control of the basketball game. But uh-huh. again, we, we've spoken about this at length. If you can't shoot the ball, you're always going to have a very limited potential. As a point guard. As a point guard. Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily resign. I would shop him at the deadline hard. Mm-hmm. Just see what I could get. Aaron Gordon I keep. Yeah. He's yeah. shown enough yeah. for me now that I am he's a keeper. Yeah. And I kinda like the offensive potential in a three man core of Gordon, Fournier, and Vucevic. Mm-hmm. Everyone can shoot. Uh, they're not a liability at the free throw line. Two of them can rebound. They can all pass the ball somewhat efficiently. So I like that. Now I'm just kind of interested in, is Luka Doncic or DeAndre Ayton the next piece there? Mm. Like, I think they kind of need one of those big-time guys Mm -hmm. in this draft, in this upcoming draft. And if they just get that, one, a top-five pick, and they have those three guys, then I'm pretty much open to removing everyone else. Though I would prefer to keep Jonathan Simmons because he's awesome. Mm -hmm. But everyone else, and I'm of course assuming Jonathan Jonathan Isaac will be back. He's only played 15 games. That's why I'm not counting him in at this point. Adios to everyone else. Everyone else, literally. So... I have two questions, and and we should note that we are going to unveil a new segment in a few minutes with your mm. sizzling draft takes. But before we get there, because I, I have not followed the draft as closely as I usually do this year, coincidence or not, the Sixers are not <laughs> as bad as they've been the last couple of years, so maybe that's why I'm not following it as closely yet. 
are there? They can still make it though. Yeah, they, I mean, well, with the Lakers pick, they'll hopefully be up there. But yeah, they yeah. could also very easily with their own pick too. So I, okay, let's start with this question: Is there a point guard in the top? Like, it seems like this. The top five or six are basically just bigs, forwards, or Doncic, who is a do it all kind of wing forward. Whatever. Yeah, who could play point guard ish. Right. You know, yeah, positionless point guard. Yeah. So there's, there, is there's, is there not like a top point guard prospect? Oh, there are two who are not in the conversation to be the first overall pick, but there are two point guards who are intriguing. Okay. One is Colin Sexton, and the other is Trey Young. I'm pretty sure yeah. you've heard about Trey yes. Young specifically. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And Sexton's um, Alabama, is that right? That's correct. Okay. Already had a 40-pointer. Um, is scoring 20 points a game, getting to the free throw line a ton. He is one of those guys who can finish at the rim and get to the line. He can also shoot the three ball. He's he's, he's a a funny player, and I mean that in a very positive, complimentary type of way because he's he's very young. Mm -hmm. He's a freshman at Alabama, and despite the fact that he's this strong scorer, you're kind of looking at him and going, you know what? I expect him to do more. Like not necessarily at the college level, but when he gets to the NBA, like that this will this would free him a little bit. Mm. He seems to be one of those guys who on a bigger court and with better spacing and better players around him is gonna rise his game up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at a freshman's line and he's averaging twenty points a game, getting to the free throw line nine times and you're going, Huh, he can do more, that's actually a positive. Yeah. Like that's a compliment. Because th- that stat line is not common for freshmen at all. Right, so, right. Yeah. So okay. I'm pretty secure in his ability. Mm-hmm. Really am. The bigger question is Trey Young. Yep. And the best comp, NBA comp I have in this sense is is James Harden. But hear me out when I say that. <laughs> okay. Because I'm not saying that he's going to be like James Harden. I am talking in terms of how he plays and produces. So we have no idea how Trey Young is defensively. Like mm-hmm. when we look at him, it's a train wreck. However, you can look at it one or two ways. One, he's just he doesn't have the defensive IQ. Mm-hmm. Or second, he's asked to do so much offensively, like James Harden is. Mm-hmm. That's where the Harden part comes in. Okay. That's uh, Oklahoma Sooners are just kind of like letting him free flow defensively like take a possession off because we need you offensively yeah because he's averaging almost 30 points and 11 assists a game and like colin sexton he gets to the free throw line as well at nine times a game and hits at 85 percent he takes 10 three-pointers a game hits them 41 percent and he's doing these stephen curry (laughs) pull-ups there it is yeah yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm just saying he mimics the game. Right now, not, I'm not. Right. Yeah, I'm not mocking you. I've seen the Steph Curry comparison on multiple sites, Bleacher Report right. included. Like I, you know, we're yeah. as, we're as guilty as anyone. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's funny just to hear all of you know you know a comparison to both oh, yeah. Curry and Harden. It's like, oh well, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he is ridiculous. He, mm-hmm. Here's the thing: when pe- when I see people comment on his game they fall into one of two one of two camps one is oh my god this is the next superstar 
oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Right. The second is, oh, he's maybe got the potential to be an NBA player because he's so slender. Okay. Like, that second camp, I've I've removed myself from that one completely. Like, initially, after the first couple of games, I was like, ah, he is very slender. And then I started looking at his game and his production, and I'm like, no, he's an NBA player. Okay. For sure. The question is, how good is he going to be? Like, can he transfer that level of of production to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's where the big question remains. I could definitely see him get picked in the top five. I could also see him get picked outside of the top five. Yeah. Okay. Because he's hard to gauge. So going back to the magic, then let's assume right. whether they trade Peyton at the deadline, let him walk in free agency, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think either Sexton or young could be their answer at point guard or do they, you know, should they be all in on Luka Doncic? Do you think that's the better play and slot him in as the nominal three between Fournier and Gordon, but he can be Oh, like if they guard? win the lottery? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, oh, just, no, no. if they win the lottery, I assume they take Doncic. And, you know, right. That's... Like, he's the clear-cut number one guy. Right. But, like, should, they, should they actively tank to try to get him, or do you think, like, Sexton or Trey Young... You know, God forbid they end up like six or seven. Like, are could either oh, yeah. of those guys be their answer, or should they just be like, I, whatever, <laughs> whatever the rigging for Wiggins, whatever that is for Doncic this year? No, I mean, I, I think Doncic is the type of guy you tank for. Okay, that's also why, personally, when it comes to the Bulls, who we talked about earlier, uh-huh. I do think they should. Like trade Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday and those guys, I don't think they should win. Uh-huh. I think Dantich is going to be a generational talent. Okay. I think he's going to be a franchise player. This guy is doing insane things in Spain right now. He's dominating the Euroleague, mm-hmm. at, at, and he's 18 years old right now in in Euroleague, and that's not the Spanish league. That those are these are the amongst against the best teams in all of Europe. This 18-year-old kid has a true shooting percentage of 66. Ooh. He's third, third in EuroLeague in scoring at 18.6. He's getting to the free throw line 6.1 time, 6.1 a game, and hits them at 86. percent He's 5.8, re, uh, five. Yeah, let me just see if I remember this right. 5.8 boards, 4.8 assists, and he's shooting the three ball at 35.6 percent. This is off the top of my head. I was researching him the other day. And like you don't do that at that age. That right. type of production is like placehold for guys who are in the late 20s, like prime fucking years. Yeah, man. He's 18 and he's controlling the game. That's the most important thing. When he has the basketball, Brian, he is in complete control of the offense. Like, he dictates pace, flow, calls out plays, sees patterns. Like, you are not at any point uncomfortable with him having the ball in his hand. Mm -hmm. Unless you're the opponent, then you are scared shitless. And some of the passes he drops off, like, you have to understand as well, here in Europe, we are a bit harsher when counting assists. Mm. So his 4.8 in the NBA would be higher, probably by a significant amount. Mm -hmm. His playmaking is off the charts. And to me, there's like 
him him at the very top. DeAndre Ayton is closing in, but he's not going to top him. He's like, you have a clear number one, you have a clear number two, and then everything gets a little bit murky after three, mm-hmm. or after two. So, if I'm Orlando, I go for Dantich, and if I end up having a bad roll of the lottery balls, then I probably go for Trey Young. Okay. Interesting. So... Let's go back to the original question then. Right. Who, who finishes last in the East if you had to guess today? Atlanta has a two yeah. or a, what, a one game lead, <laughs> I guess. Uh, over yeah, but I'm kind of pissed at Atlanta because they won three out of four. Like yeah. this is this is actually very very stupid of them because the Bulls are suddenly winning, right? And they should take advantage by losing. You would think so. Victorian Prince is playing well as of late. Yeah, he John is. John Collins he is playing really well. Is. Dwayne Dedman should be back soon. Mm-hmm. I still think the Hawks. I yeah. think they need it. I think they are. I think they are slowly but quietly on the Dantage train. Mm-hmm. And him under Mike Budenholzer. Oh my yep. God, that <laughs> yeah. would be. I'm, I'm with you. I think. Yeah, I think the Hawks are. I would have picked the Bulls three weeks ago, but whatever's yep, gotten to them. I- yeah, I think unless I mean maybe the Magic continue building on the great the Indian graveyard that they built on, and like their entire team goes down with torn ACLs or something. But the fact that you know if they if their injury luck reverts in any way, they should be okay, and I think they'll start making some ground soon. And uh, Charlotte. I, just, I still don't understand why they're as bad as they are. It feels like they should be better, but I I have faith that they will turn it around at some point. Put as little or as much stock into this as you want, okay? Mm-hmm. Three nights ago, I had a dream that Charlotte won the lottery. <laughs> and thus it is told that the Charlotte Hornets with the number one pick. We'll see. Yeah. If, if they end up winning the lottery... We're gonna, yeah. I'm gonna piss myself because then I'm scared. We're, mark because that down. was so random. Episode yeah. 102. If Charlotte yeah. wins the lottery, we're gonna remember that six months from now. Yeah. And uh, could you imagine Doncic on a in a Air Jordan jersey? Oh man, Doncic with Kemba that'd be pretty fun. Oh yeah. All right, more. Let's go in now that we've got some spicy hot takes of the draft percolating. Let's go yeah. into a, your new segment. Which we are calling Morton Sizzling Draft Takes, uh, which you're going to highlight. I mean, again, I'm not paying attention to anything draft related for probably another month or so. So you're going to educate both me and the listeners on guys who we should be paying more attention to or guys who are like totally off the radar right now, which it sounds like your pick today is in the latter camp. So hit us, hit us with your draft takes. I hate picking this guy today because during his last game against LA Tech, he went scoreless, which just <laughs> never bodes well. Nope. But prior to that, Agent Panava from Marshall. Uh, he's a 6'9", 214 power forward. He's leading the nation in blocks. That was the, the funny thing is, I came about him just looking at the stats initially, like who was leading the nation in certain categories. Mm-hmm. And usually when you have someone you know, leading the, the nation in blocks or whatever. It's one of those super big guys who are just, like, getting free blocks all the time. Uh-huh. And 
Ajin was like he's six nine, and I started looking at his profile because something interested me about him. It was, and it's like he's not just a shot blocker; he was also rebounding ten over ten a game, scoring the basketball at nineteen a game. Now, after his scoreless game, here I'm, I'm going to read you the stats now: seventeen point seven points a game, nine point seven rebounds, one point nine assists, four point seven blocks. 1.4 steals. He's getting to the line as well at 5.2 times a game, and he's hitting them at 74.4%. His overall field goal percentage is 63. And here's the kicker. Here's what I love. He's shooting 41% from downtown. Wow. Now, what from what I've seen of him, that uh, playmaking, you know, the 1.9 assist, is not fair representation from mm-hmm. his ability to pass the ball. Like, he's making very clever, quick reads when he's in the post. Like, small drop-off, dump passes, like, bounce passes to cutters and finding open shooters. Like, he's a clever passer. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's not this, you know, pogo stick and he's not seven foot one or whatever, Mm -hmm. getting up for those blocks, it's very clear that he times it very well. He plays the passing lane as well, like, 1.4 steals. And again, he's a rebounder. He can shoot from the outside. He can get to the line and can convert on the line. And only 1.7 turnovers a game, mm. despite all this. I'm not saying he's going to be a star. Mm. I'm just saying right now he's not on any mock drafts that I've seen. So please, if, any, if anyone out there has gone, oh, I've seen him, just shout me a note on Twitter. But I haven't seen his name mentioned on any mock and that's what I think is wrong. I think he produces so much that you have to at least circle him in for the second round. At least. I, I mean, I, I have not seen him admittedly play at all, but uh, it's a guy that I'm, I guess I'm going to have to watch a couple Marshall games. Yeah, I know. I know. But look, here, let me just, let me just give you something here. He had a game against Eastern Kentucky. 13 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 9 blocks, 2 steals, and he hit Damn. two threes. Damn. What? <laughs> That's an intriguing skill set. I'll give you that. I mean, right. You can't Yeah, you don't you don't often find a a player capable of blocking shots at that high of volume and playmaking. So, if that can translate to the NBA, it'd be mm. Whatever, it's better than most second round picks. Seems that, like a that's, gamble. That's my point. Yeah. Exactly. That's my point. Like if I'm a team and I'm sitting there in the second round and I'm going, I just want some production out of this pick. Right. That's the guy I'm looking at. Yeah. It's especially if you're worried about how he fares against NBA caliber competition. Mm-hmm. Every team at this point or almost every team has a G League affiliate. Like that's the perfect place you can get him some seasoning without having to worry. Oh, he'll own the G League. This yeah. guy will own the G League. Like and Antonio Blakeney from LSU, who's playing on the Bulls uh, G League team, is averaging like thirty six points a game, <laughs> and he was averaging like seventeen at LSU or something like that. Yeah. Like Pinava here, he's gonna destroy the G League. I'm, I'm intrigued. This sounds fun. I'm I'm all in. He could be our he could be our the NBA podcast sleeper until you tell me yeah. about someone next week and then I'm all in on him too. But yeah, I know. Week... You, like, <laughs> <laughs> you were all in 
on uh, Jamal Murray as well. Oh yeah, well that like, I mean that one's legitimate. But I, you know, I love these like little weird fringe guys. I mean, shit. T.J. Yeah. McConnell is one of my top five, probably favorite players in the NBA right now. So oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> if Panava is drafted by the Sixers, I'm not going to hear the end of it. Yeah, they do have four second round picks, three of which they yeah. will sell to the highest bidder because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Um, all right, so let's move in. Before we do our crush, we need to give a shout-out to Isaiah Thomas, who is making his season debut Tuesday night against the Trailblazers. It sounds like he's only going to play 8 to 12 minutes, and he's not going to play Wednesday. But very happy that he is healthy and ready to go. I think we are both excited to see this Cavs team with him. And mm-hmm. fingers crossed that he can stay healthy and avoid any setbacks. Um, we'll touch on we'll touch on more of the implications of this next week, but James Harden's out at least two weeks with a hamstring injury as well. So the, the Rockets, I mean, they have such a huge lead in the Western Conference standings. They are seven games ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are in fifth place. That I don't think they're going to rush Harden back anytime. You know, if, if that two week no. timetable gets pushed into a four-week timetable i would not be surprised at all um but we'll we'll touch more on that next week when we start debating some all-star stuff as well you only hope that so your lebron for mvp vote is <laughs> oh man going to get it's, increased it, no i only hope that i keep saying that i want james harden to finish second in the mvp race from now until the end of time because they stand so hard for him for the like, if they think MVP is more important than a championship, by the way they discuss it in Houston. <laughs> so I want him to always be the bridesmaid and never be the bride because I just want to see Daryl Morey's head explode when like he gets his fourth MVP runner-up. It's gonna be great. But yeah, <laughs> LeBron is definitely winning MVP now. You're an evil shithead sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's go into our crushes. These are players who deserve more recognition than they're getting. And my my pick is admittedly a cheat this week. It pay back for your Durant pick a couple weeks ago, Morton. But do, mm-hmm. do you want to go first or should I? Oh, I'm going to let you because, okay. yeah, act a fool. <laughs> so there's this guy, DeMar DeRozan. Have you ever heard of him? Do you know, I know he's really a fringe guy, like end of the bench player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, we we have to give credit to DeRozan not only for his career high fifty two pointer against the Milwaukee Bucks on New Year's Day, but here's shooting three stuff. Yeah. Here's what catched my eye in his last seven games. He's twenty of thirty eight from three point range, almost fifty three percent from the field. He is still totally sustainable. <laughs> I mean, he is. He is hitting a career-high 1.1 per game on the season, taking 3.0 per game. He's hitting 34.9% of them, all of which are career highs. You know, the, the Raptors, after their playoff loss last year, uh, Masai Ujiri said, like, we need to change our style of play. We need to not go into iso ball so much. We need to start passing the ball more. We need DeMar DeRozan to start taking threes. We have to do entirely logical things. Right, yeah. We have to join yeah. the 21st century, yes. But right. but they have. And it's really, yeah. like, you know, we, we have admittedly not talked much about the Raptors on this podcast because they're just doing the same old thing that they've been doing 
the past couple years. Give me some Raptor years. news. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they're in second place in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah. They're only two and a half games back of the Boston Celtics. DeRozan's playing at a career-best level or close to it. I mean, it's, it's intriguing. I'm intrigued yeah. by what's happening in Toronto this year. And I thought, especially given... You know the hot stretch that DeRozan is on recently, twenty nearly twenty nine points in his past seven games. He deserves some shout outs in this podcast. So kudos, Demar, for. I mean, damn! If if he if he starts hitting threes consistently, this is a very different Raptors team, and I'm much more scared of them than I normally would be. DeRozan averaged nineteen point two shot attempts from two point range last year. That mm-hmm. has gone down to fourteen point eight. So that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean not not I'm, that I'm saying two point charts are bad, especially if they come at the rim, but he seems to be more selective now when taking them. And if he is well beyond the arc, like he's not gonna dribble his way five times into a contested two point. Like he's gonna dribble up, see if he has you know, daylight from three and he's gonna take it mm-hmm. which i appreciate that's just that's the way it should have been for like the last three years <laughs> right but you know better late than never yeah Demar. totally it's it's impressive i I'm, mm-hmm. uh, he deserved some recognition for again joining the 21st century my guy who deserves recognition was a former toronto raptor he's now a brooklyn net Demari Carroll. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I know. He's averaging a little bit sneaky here, 6.8 boards per game. 12.6 points, uh, which is a career high. He tied a career high, but he's doing it in less minutes. So on a per-minute scale, he's averaging a career high in points and rebounds. He's not hitting as well from the field as he could have, Mm -hmm. but the Nets haven't been a strong team, partially due to all the injuries and whatnot. Still, I like what I'm seeing out there. I'm seeing a more in- aggressive Demaria Carroll. I'm seeing a guy who's not really bummed out on being on the Raptors, <laughs> right? Which we saw over the last two years. Yep. Like he looks more engaged. He looks more interested, and he seems to be enjoying basketball again, which is really something that when he's on and he's engaged in the game, he can really be a difference maker. Like defensively, yep. he's strong. Totally. He can guard twos, threes, fours. Um, so yeah, shout out Demari Carroll. Yeah, I mean his knee injuries really sapped him in Toronto, and then when he left Toronto, he gave that whole thing about how they did play too much ISO ball and how they all kind of just stood around and watched Kyle and Demar. So it's mm. yeah, it's been fun seeing him revitalized in Brooklyn, and it's a another feather in the cap of sean marks the guy who i am just going to stand for from now until the end of time it feels like but uh yeah did you see on twitter i forget when we discussed sean marks in uh in detail but someone tweeted at both of us at like a frank isola tweet i think it was where he was like what name what good thing sean marks has did like i oh, didn't know that was stefan brody I oh think. was it okay yeah sorry <clears throat> sorry frank yeah it was yeah it was i knew it was one of the new york beat writers but i didn't realize there was an anti sean marks camp i thought i was just preaching to the choir here oh yeah but oh, now yeah. now that i realize that sean marks is just hinky 2.0 i'm oh man we're starting it again <laughs> well to be fair like if you're against sean marks at this point you don't know what you're saying right yeah i 
you would think so, but clearly I mean, there's, there's some anti-Mark sentiment floating around out there. Yeah, but that's just ridiculous. Look at what the man has done. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty self-evident, yeah. honestly. Yeah, you would hope so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, Mort. That's going to do it for today's episode of the NBA Podcast. Next time, we're going to start some all-star discussions, barring any catastrophic news, injuries, trades, whatever. Uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And you can find us also on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined as always by my co host, Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I'm looking forward to next time when I will be discussing why Jimmy Butler deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Oh, all right. We got some spicy takes next time. Get pumped, everyone. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-o! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.